Grace to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The sermon text that we have before us today is the account from Mark of the miraculous feeding of the 4,000. From Mark chapter 8, we hear verses 1 through 9. Please rise as we hear these words in Jesus' name. In those days, when there was again a large crowd and they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples and said to them, I feel compassion for the crowd because they have already stayed with me three days and do not have anything to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will faint on the way. Some of them have come from a long distance. His disciples replied, Where can anyone get enough bread to feed these people here in this deserted place? He asked them, How many loaves do you have? Seven, they said. He he commanded the crowd to sit down on the ground. And then he took the seven loaves, gave thanks, and broke them. He gave the pieces to his disciples to distribute to the crowd, and they did so. They also had a few small fish. He blessed them and said that these should be distributed as well. The people ate and were satisfied. They picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 men were there, and then he sent them away. We pray. O Lord, teach us today to rely on you to feed us, both spiritually and physically. Help us to always seek first your kingdom and to trust in you to provide everything else that we need for this body and life and for the life to come. Amen. Please be seated. Are you a backseat driver? Do you know anyone who's a backseat driver? The other day as I was coming home running some errands around town, my six-year-old Iggy, he gets upset with me because I missed the turn that we would normally take to get back to our house. There was road construction going down the road, so I kept going. But he didn't know what I was doing. What in the world? You're supposed to turn there. You're going the wrong direction. Turn around. He got so upset with me and he wouldn't give it up even though... I kept assuring him, I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing. Don't worry. We're going to get home. But he wouldn't wouldn't leave it alone. He wouldn't give up until we actually pulled into our driveway, coming from the opposite direction of how we normally would go. Backseat drivers can be obnoxious, can't they? There have been times when my wife would tell you that I have been guilty of being a backseat driver. There are times when I've been sitting in the passenger seat of the car and I've made comments about our car or about road conditions or about other drivers on the road or about obscure traffic laws that I know or maybe even um, comments about her driving techniques that really have not been welcomed by her. And I'm not trying to hurt her, but the comments that I make end up being hurtful. Comments that come from a backseat driver are really not communicating one's deep appreciation for road conditions or traffic laws, but what you are communicating is really that you're struggling to trust that person in the driver's seat. The comments that come from a backseat driver indicate to that driver that that you don't think that driver knows what, what she's doing. She doesn't know where she's going, perhaps. 
You're basically telling her, communicating to her that she's probably uninformed or ignorant or making unwise decisions in her driving. Comments from a backseat driver are really comments that say that you think that you would be doing a better job. So here's some free marital advice. Don't be a backseat driver. And this also applies to you in your relationship with God when it comes to God's driving. Are you a spiritual backseat driver? Do you trust, do you have faith in, do you rely upon your divine driver? Do you rely upon God? Or how often is it that we accuse him of not knowing what he's doing, of not knowing where he's supposed to be going? Do we ever accuse God of being unwise in his decisions? Are there even times in our spiritual backseat driving where we make it clear that we think that we would be doing a better job than God? This is something that we struggle with, isn't it? Especially when there are certain routes, when there are certain roads, when there are certain paths that God drives us on that we would never want to go on ourselves, roads that we would never want to drive down ourselves, and yet God takes that alternate route. Sometimes we're tempted to complain, to grumble, to make comments about it. Sometimes God turns us in directions that, that seem to be longer, really tests our patience with things, like some of those longer detours that we are well familiar with here in, in the summertime in Minnesota that test our patience. Sometimes the route that God takes us down is rather dark. Imagine driving into a tunnel where you don't see any light on the opposite end, so you're not exactly sure what's in that tunnel or where you're going to go once you get in there. Sometimes God takes us on some really scary roads. Imagine driving up the side of a mountain with a sheer cliff on one side, and if you went over it, it would be certain death. There are certain roads, certain routes, certain paths in life that God drives us down where we really might be tempted to make some comments, where we might be tempted to be spiritual backseat drivers. So what are these roads in your life that God has, has driven you down, that has caused you to perhaps even question him or to doubt him? Maybe it's a severe medical diagnosis that terrifies you. Maybe it's a sudden or unexpected trip that you have to make to the hospital. Maybe it's an ache or a pain or maybe even a more serious thorn in your flesh that you have to endure. Perhaps it's a loved one who is sick and injured. Perhaps it's a broken or hurting relationship that you have to deal with, with a spouse or family member, some neighbor, You haven't been dealing with it very well, and God keeps bringing it up before you, forcing you to deal with it, and wanting you to deal with it in Christian love and patience. Maybe you've been robbed. Maybe your house has burned down. Maybe you lost your job and all your money. Maybe you've been mistreated. Maybe you've been falsely accused of some evil. Maybe you've made a bad decision, and now there are consequences that you are forced to deal with because of it. Maybe there are these world events that freak us out. What in the world are you thinking, God, when we see 
things going on around us in the world. When we read the newspaper headlines and, and the, the lead uh, stories in, in the news, CNN, Fox News, it's so easy for us in these situations to become spiritual backseat drivers, especially when God is taking us down these certain roads that we might not want to be on. And so we end up doubting. We end up being skeptical. We might not be relying upon God. When facing these situations in your life, do you complain? Do you criticize? Do you perhaps even claim that you would know better than God? Doesn't that just sound crazy? How absurd is that? How wrong it is for us to have an attitude like this. Doesn't God know everything? Hasn't God promised to be working for the good of those who love him? Hasn't he promised to provide everything that you're going to need here in this body or for this body in life? Is God unable, is God unwilling to do these things? Yes, of course, pastor, but, you might say, but look at where we are. Look at this seemingly hopeless situation that we are in. Look at the impossibility of what is needed. Look at how God hasn't even stepped in yet. You'd think that he would have started doing something by now. It would be easy to think this way if you and I were the ones who were driving. But for us as Christians, we proclaim that it is Almighty God who's the one in the driver's seat. And he is the one of whom it is proclaimed repeatedly throughout Scripture, nothing is impossible for him. With men, these things are impossible, Mark writes, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. And yet it's amazing how quickly we can forget this, isn't it? How quickly we can fall right back into that trap of being a spiritual backseat driver. And we see this even in our text for today. This was a trap that the disciples had really fallen into. We see that especially here as they were failing to rely upon Jesus. And we get that in the question that they ask back to Jesus. Where can anyone get enough bread to feed all of these people out here in this deserted place? Jesus, it's nice that you want to feed all these people, but we're out in the middle of nowhere. There's no way we could get enough food to feed these thousands of people. Must have been frustrating for Jesus. These disciples, they, they clearly didn't get it. Later on, Mark also records for us another account where the disciples, they were about to go off with Jesus somewhere, and they forget to pack food. They forget to pack food, and they start grumbling and complaining amongst themselves. And Jesus realizes this, and he turns around, and he says, You guys, don't you get it? Do you not remember when that first time I had five loaves of bread, and there were 5,000 people there, and yet I broke it, and how many baskets of leftovers were there? There were 12 baskets of leftovers and then again, a short time afterwards, there were 4,000 people out in the middle of nowhere, and we had seven loaves of bread. And I broke it and shared it with the people, and we had seven whole baskets of leftovers then. Why are you worried about food? Why are you worried and grumbling and complaining about all these things? 
do you not trust in me to provide for you? The disciples were with Jesus every single day. The disciples saw every single miracle, including both of these miraculous feedings that Jesus performed. Jesus, who was moved to the core in wanting to provide for the people he loves, he makes sure that there's an overabundance of food for them. And yet the disciples, they continue to struggle in relying upon, trusting in Jesus. And if the disciples need to be rebuked by Jesus, how much more so should we be rebuked for our sin of failing to rely on him? Failing to rely on him for the the spiritual backseat driving that, that you and I are guilty of. In our text for today, it was the crowd that huge crowd that was out there in the wilderness, they were the ones who were properly relying on Jesus to feed them. They were following Jesus, we're told, for for three days straight, even out into the middle of the wilderness. They were doing exactly what Jesus had taught his followers to do. They they had their priorities straight. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these other things, these bodily, physical, earthly needs, they'll be given to you as well. Trust in me. I'm thinking about these things, Jesus is saying. And so the crowd out there in the wilderness that day, they were hanging on to Jesus' words. They were excited to hear him teach. They were captivated by it so much that they didn't seem at all worried about where their next meal would come from. They weren't worried about it. But Jesus was. He wasn't really worried, but he he was concerned for those people. These people that he loved, even before the crowd even recognized that there was this potential problem of, of, hey, we have no food to eat, and we have a journey back to our homes, Jesus is thinking about it. We're told that Jesus, he has this sincere, heartfelt, gut-wrenching love and compassion for these people. The Greek word that's, that's used there, it's, it's unique, it's special. It means that Jesus is moved, his insides are churned up out of concern for these people. He has compassion upon them. He's concerned for them and their welfare. And he was determined to provide for them, not just the spiritual food, that he had been providing for them for three days straight, but he was also concerned with their physical needs. He wanted to provide them with physical food. He wanted to give them the daily bread that they needed so that they wouldn't perish as they returned home. So what does Jesus do? First thing he does in our text, he commands the people to sit. Sit down. It's really an important point. Maybe we overlook it in the text. Sit down, not, hey, form a couple buffet lines, not, hey, come up and help me get all this ready. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. That's what he was doing here, commanding the people to sit at his feet. Do not be worried. Do not be upset. Instead, sit at my feet and let me serve you. This is the one thing needed. This is the better thing. Jesus was really saying and explaining. He was encouraging them all to be Mary's, not Martha's. You can fully rely upon me, Jesus says. 
That's the point that he's making here. And then he proves it to them by taking that, that tiny little amount of bread and fish. He gives thanks for it, and he breaks it, and he has his disciples go and, and serve it to the people. And there, from that minuscule amount of food, the 4,000 men, plus women and children that would have been there as well, they all ate, they were satisfied, and they even had to pack up seven to-go baskets of leftovers. What we see here in this amazing miracle, what we see in our text, is that no one has any reason to be a spiritual backseat driver. What a silly thing to do. Jesus knows what he's doing. Jesus knows where he's going. Jesus knows the plans that he has for you. So trust in him. Let him be the one doing the driving. Listen to his word. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then trust in him. Rely on him to feed you. He can and he will do this. Even when everyone else might think this is a completely impossible task. Here we are out in the middle of nowhere. All hope is gone. And yet Jesus comes through. This is his nature after all. He's at work for you. He has compassion. He has empathy for you. And he has power. He has the power of God. He is after all the very son of God. And so he puts that power to use for you and for me. Even when he leads us down roads that are terrifying, scary, frightening, roads that we might not want to go down, we can trust that he knows what he's doing and that he's going to continue to provide for us. Even out in the barren wilderness, he can and he will, he does provide for his people. In fact, isn't this God's standard operating procedure? He loves to do what everyone else might think and say is completely impossible. When we think of, when we think everything is heading down the completely wrong road, down the wrong direction, God comes through in glorious ways. When everything seems to be completely and utterly hopelessly lost, that's when God does his best work. And we see examples of this throughout the scriptures. We can point at different events throughout history and say, see the active hand of God even in this time of great trouble. We can even look back at different parts of our own lives in retrospect. And we might be able to say, see how God was at work even in the midst of this terrible situation that I was in. And yet how he has brought me through the other side. Of course, the greatest example of all of this is seen on Good Friday. The innocent, righteous, perfect, loving Son of God, Jesus Christ, was handed over to be tortured and put to death on a cross. What a terrible situation. How discouraging this this would have all been. And yet, does Jesus doubt God? Does Jesus doubt God's plan, God's will? Is Jesus a a spiritual backseat driver? Not at all. Instead, in the garden, he's praying, "Let, let not my will, but your will be done, Heavenly Father. And he willingly followed where God the Father asked him to go, even when it meant going to the cross and going to the grave. 
Meanwhile, consider how upsetting this would have been for all of Jesus' followers. What a terrible day that was for them, fearful, full of dread. It sure seemed that darkness and evil had won the day. Everyone who witnessed it thought that Jesus had completely lost. And yet in the midst of that seemingly greatest defeat, the death of Jesus Christ, we actually find the greatest, most glorious victory of all. God worked to make possible what was impossible. What seemed to be the complete foolishness of God to the outward human eye, it in reality was the wisdom of God. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes it. In these events, Jesus defeats sin, he defeats death, he defeats the devil, he rises victoriously from the dead on Easter, and and by rising, he assures all of us that whoever relies and believes in him, relies upon him, will also someday rise from their graves to new life. The sins of the entire world have been paid for in full, and those who should be doomed to death and destruction... We now have God's love. We have his forgiveness. You and I have been handed the righteousness of Jesus. We get to put it on ourselves. Our sins are now completely washed away. Eternal life is promised to you. And on top of all of this, God promises that he has your back. He's got your back. He's going to provide for you. He's going to fulfill your needs as long as you journey through this world, through this earthly life. So what do we have to worry about? Even as he might drive us down some unexpected or scary, different roads, we fear no evil because he is with us. We can And we will rely on Jesus to feed us. And he does this spiritually. He feeds you by giving you his life-giving word, by baptizing you, by inviting you around his altar where he gives you his, his body and blood to eat and drink in the Lord's Supper. Here in this place, as we come to church, we're doing what that crowd did. We're sitting at Jesus' feet and we're letting him serve us everything that we need so that heaven will be ours. But also know that Jesus has promised to provide for you and to feed you physically. He gives you daily bread. He's concerned and has compassion upon you and me. He wants us to be taken care of here in this world and in this life. And so he is providing everything that we need for this body and life. So dear friends, take heart, be of good cheer, Even when you find yourself going down some scary roads, even when you find yourself in some seemingly impossible wilderness situations, don't doubt, but trust. You can rely on Jesus to feed you. Amen.